0: You're listening to Make Some Noise Podcast, mini-sode number 457. Welcome to Make Some Noise Podcast, your guide for strategies, tools, and insight to empower yourself. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of the podcast, a mini-sode. I hope that you are well and I hope that your summer is going fantastic so far. We are rounding out the end of our relationships theme. We're moving into, what are we moving into? Spirituality and creativity. I'm excited about that. It's a, I've got an ec- eclectic bunch coming for you. A motley crew, if you will. But as we're closing out relationships, I wanted to dive in a little bit around something that I've mentioned on the podcast probably many, many times, partly because this particular work has helped me so much in my personal life, in my relationship, my relationship with my husband, I should say. And because I just admire uh, John Gottman's work so much, John and Julie Gottman, his wife, I think it's brilliant. He has decades of experience and he is the person who is, is. Uh, I guess he's kind of famous for this. He is able to, you know, by watching an interaction with a couple, I believe he watches an interaction that is a topic that the couple kind of goes around and around about, like, you know, the one thing. that you just snag and you keep you can't come to a conclusion about you find yourself arguing about um he watches that interaction and how the couple talks to each other and how they behave towards each other and their body language and things like that and he can predict whether the relationship will work or not and so to simplify what he actually looks for a long time ago, he created what he calls the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse, and they are criticism, contempt, defensiveness, and stonewalling. And so I am going to summarize an article that I found on Gottman.com. This is by a brilliant human being named Ellie Lestisa. I hope I'm pronouncing her name correctly. Is it Lasitza? Lisit- I think it's Lestisa. My apologies, Ellie, if you're listening to this and I pronounced your name incorrectly. I'm going to link to this particular article as well as another one that she links to where they talk about the antidotes for the four horsemen. It's not just like, here's the problem. Good luck with life, which you know I can't stand. It's here's the problem and here's the antidotes. Here's how here's how to fix it. So let's start with criticism. It's interesting the way that she explains it in here is a little bit different than what I thought criticism was. Why, what I thought he was referring to criticism was, turns out, um, I'm actually pleased because what I do is complaining <laughs> according to this article, <laughs> not criticize. So, uh, she Ellie t- talks about criticizing your partner is a little bit different than offering a critique or complaining about about something. So like a complaint might be like, say your your partner um, is, you know, like an hour late coming home from work. And previously, this has bothered you. And you had always asked, like, can you just send me a text or call me if you are running late? Just to let me know. And say it happens, and they didn't call or text and they come home and you said, I was mildly freaking out when you were running late and you didn't call. I thought we had agreed that you would do that, that we we agreed that we would do that for each other. That's a complaint. A criticism would sound like this. And I'm quoting what her example here she says, you never think about how your behavior is affecting other people. I don't believe you are that forget forgetful. You're just selfish. You never think of others. You never think of me. So that is criticism. You see how they're different. And of course, like I was being a little bit dramatic when I read the second example, had a little bit more of a charge to it. Um, but she goes on to say that, you know, I think everyone criticizes in that manner from time to time, especially if you're in a place of being very scared or hurt or extremely frustrated. But part of her point here is that you're not doomed if you use criticism in your relationship or your partner uses criticism towards you. It's that if it becomes pervasive, it can actually turn into a pattern and that turns into contempt, which is the second horseman, which is like this. Contempt is Partly body language. So it's eye rolling. It is, you know, crossing your arms over your chest with a big sigh. It's um, mockery. It's making fun of them with, you know, harsh passive being harshly passive aggressive, sarcastic, ridicule, name calling, um, mimicking them, um, scoffing, disrespect. It's just being mean. It's being mean, being a total asshole. And what she says, and this, I think, sentence really sums it up. She says, the target of contempt is made to feel despised and worthless. And let me tell you something. I will admit, in my former relationship to my ex-husband, I used contempt when I was at my wits end, when I was so desperate to have some kind of behavior that would make me feel like I had some kind of power and control over him. I would use contempt. I am ashamed to admit it, but I was in such a place of ill communication, um, of just not grasping at straws, not knowing how to behave. And Gottman's research shows that couples who are contemptuous of each other are more likely to um, not only have a terrible relationship, but more likely to have infectious illnesses. Colds, flus, things like that. So it's not good for your immune system. But contempt is the single greatest predictor of divorce. It's contempt. I thought it was stonewalling, but it's not. It's contempt, which doesn't surprise me. And I can think of a of some couples. I, I can think of one couple I know. They've been married for decades. They're they're um, a little older than me, and there's contempt by one of the partners, and it's just painful to watch we all know it when we see it and uh yeah so it's not surprised that I'm not married to that person anymore not surprising at all She is so amazing. I had gotten curious about how to be a better communicator, so I took the Art of Negotiation class with Chris Voss, and it helped me to do things like read body language, read speech patterns, and so much more, so I can better communicate with who you ask, my teenagers. Plus, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Don't wait another moment to start your learning journey with Masterclass. Right now, our listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com slash Andrea. That's 15% off at masterclass.com Andrea. Masterclass.com slash Andrea.
1: No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why?
0: The third one is defensiveness. It is typically a response to criticism. This was my ex-husband's MO. And it typically happens when the person feels like they are um, unjustly accused. They're looking for excuses. They play the innocent victim so that they can just kind of get out of the situation so their partner will, will leave them alone. And often they don't take responsibility, like no responsibility at all. So here's the example that she that she gives. So one partner says, did you call Betty and Ralph to let them know we're not coming to the party tonight? Um, like you told me you were gonna call them this morning. And the partner says, I was just too busy today. As a matter of fact, you know just how busy my schedule is. Why didn't you just do it? <laughs> so there's actually two things happening in this example. So the partner is, is you know making an excuse and responding defensively but they're also reversing the blame they're like putting putting the blame on the other person i can't freaking stand that i can't stand that not only <laughs> there are some particular teenage children that i know of that that will remain unnamed that do this and i will point that out so fast it's like no no this isn't my fault you need to take some responsibility. How would we take responsibility for that? Okay. So what it what it might sound like instead of that defensive response, an example is, oops, I completely forgot. I spaced. I should have asked you this morning to do it because I knew my day was back to back and it was packed. That's my fault. Let me let me stop right now and, and call them immediately. So of course you're going to forget things like of course. <laughs> you're going to want to defend yourself if you if you have uh, sometimes we have noble excuses, right? <laughs> but um when we are putting the blame on the other person, when we're constantly coming up with with excuses when we are almost like telling the other person what they want to hear that can get involved too, it just, it doesn't work. So Ellie says, Defensiveness will not only escalate the conflict if the critical spouse or partner does not back down or apologize. This is because defensiveness is really a way of blaming your partner and it won't allow for healthy conflict management. Yikes. All right, and the last one is stonewalling which is usually a response to contempt. And I would argue it's also probably a response to criticism as well. Stonewalling occurs when the partner um, completely shuts down from the conversation. They will either stop responding to their partner, they will walk away, they will um, get in the car and drive off, leave the room, um, rather than talking it out and you know they turn away from their partner instead of turning towards and they aren't aggressive or hostile or anything like that they just are pretty much like I'm out and they will walk away. So Gottman talks about something called physiologically flooded which is so fascinating to me and I've mentioned it a few times here on the podcast. It's it's when you are in a whether it's an uncomfortable conversation or a heated argument or a full-on like screaming match, when your heart rate gets above, I believe it's like one hundred or something. It's not extraordinarily high, but um, the flooding means that the blood is rushing away to our vital organs, and muscles, and away from our brain, especially the part of our brain that is responsible for logical thinking for speech, etc. And this is why when we are in a confrontation or something like that, like maybe at work or something, an hour later, we think of all the best comebacks, all of the best responses to say that are smart and witty and all of the things that we wish we would have thought of. The reason is that we couldn't do it when we were in the moment because of um, psychological flooding, excuse me, physiological flooding. And this is why stonewalling happens, because the person is flooded and they just have to walk away. And it's also probably they might have some trauma, maybe some childhood trauma that they are triggered and they just need need to walk away. And so for this one, I am going to talk to you about what the antidote is. And, and please go to the show notes and click on the link for the second article where, where she talks about some really practical advice of how to not do these four horsemen, not do these behaviors anymore. Um, but the one about stonewalling is to, if you are the stonewaller, is to articulate it and say, I am too angry or I am too overwhelmed or whatever it is that you're feeling to continue to have this conversation. I love you and I want to continue this. I just cannot do it right in this moment. I'm going to take fill in the blank, however long you need, I'm going to take 30 minutes and we'll come back to it. Or can we come back to it later on tonight. The, the key really is to have enough respect for your partner and for your relationship to come back to the conversation. This is not an out for you to just not be able to return. And when you are calm, when you have gathered your thoughts, if you have to make bullet points, if you have to write out a script, if you have to meditate, whatever it is that you need to do, then you can go back and, and have the conversation when you're in a place to do so. So I hope that was helpful. The little explanation because I mention it all the time, and and if you don't know now, you know. And again, the link to both the article that I was summarizing as well as the anecdotes are going to be in the show notes. I'm also going to put a link for there is a link on the Gottman website um, about being physiologically flooded, which again I find so interesting, so interesting, yay for science! All right, everyone, thank you so much for listening. Hey. If you are interested in the Daring Way Retreat, there is one room left that is a solo room. The rest of the rooms left are going to be in the bunk room. Maybe you love that. <laughs> Maybe you love to have it feel like summer camp. But shout out again to <laughs> Jackie at the Orlando airport. I mentioned that in a couple episodes ago. I was buying peanut M&Ms and this woman comes up to me and says, "Are you Andrea Owen?" and I was like, "Yes." And I thought she was at the speaking event that I was just speaking at in the audience and I was like, "Oh, you must have been at Think Better Live Better." And she's like, "No, I was at Disney with my family." And she recognized me. She's a podcast listener. And she said she was thinking about signing up for the retreat and she ended up signing up. Yay, Jackie, can't wait to have you. She took the second to last solo room. So I'm just saying, you guys, uh, if you want to come and you want a solo room, it has a queen bed. It's going to be in Asheville, North Carolina in September which is gorgeous out there. Head over to com slash retreat and any questions, feel free to reach out to us. All right, everyone, I will see you next week with a brand new episode. And remember, it's our life's journey to make ourselves better humans and our life's responsibility to make the world a better place. Bye for now.